back, everybody, to another edition of Going for Two, presented by Homefield Apparel. I am your host, Matt Brown, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, and I'm joined here in beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, by my colleague, Brian Fisher. Uh, Brian, why are we in Indianapolis, Indiana? Because neither of us live here. It is convention time. I mean, I'm excited to be here in Indy. It's, uh, I remember covering one of, my, one of the first conventions I ever covered with the NCAA here in Indianapolis, and uh, it's good to be back. Good to see some, some faces. Um, and uh, Everybody's masked, of course, but uh, it's good to see some folks, and uh, I can't wait because this promises to be one of the more uh, exciting, as I guess you could say, uh, conventions in NCAA history, given all that's going on. Yeah, I don't. I don't know yet what that means on the scale of absolute excitement. Like the, the most exciting NCAA convention. I don't know if that's like roller coaster, if that's like AAA video game. If that, I, I, I don't know. Um, but what we did, what I do know, is that we did promise to do an update after every day of that convention uh, while we're here. You know, part of that is is just practical. It's a little bit easier to do this, and it is maybe to write two thousand words. Uh, and I, we want to keep people as informed as possible of what's going on. So this edition here is on Tuesday evening, and. I think it, if you want to sum up what happened today, this is a, a little bit of a calm before the storm, kind of hurry up and wait sort of situation. You know, part of that is uh, the, the, the way the convention is set up is that it's spread out across not just multiple hotels, but the Indiana, the, the Indiana Convention, Indianapolis Convention Center. So all these are these big, gigantic buildings. And it's all cool because you can walk to all of them, but they're not full right now. Um, whether it is because of concerns about COVID, whether it's because of so many things that are still happening on the campus level, whether it's because it's like 11 degrees in Indianapolis right now, um, not everybody is here yet. And what, what, it, it's, it's kind of a surreal thing as you look around here at this, at this event that I think was structured to be about one size. It's not that size right now. Absolutely not. I think a bit of a ghost town would would be how I would describe it. And uh, obviously, it's just Tuesday. You know, I think uh, you know there's going to be a lot more action in terms of Wednesday and Thursday, which is really kind of when when the big big stuff is going to happen. When we're going to have uh, Mark Emmert's State of the uh, NCA and, and really some some votes as well. So a lot more to come during the week, but uh, a bit of a ghost town here on Tuesday, and you know, rightfully so. You know, I think you, you mentioned uh, you know people not showing up. I know there's a lot of folks. Uh, you know, certainly at the last minute, just given the situation uh, with COVID and, and really everything. Goes that's going on at their various schools as well. Um, it, it is tough to get away. We, we all, all also had a big snowstorm uh, hit kind of part of the East Coast as well. So uh, you know, travel was, was a bit difficult for, for some folks. And um, you know, I think, you know, back when the NCAA started planning this, you know, a couple months ago, they were really had high hopes that this would be much more of a normal convention. There, were, there would be thousands of, of attendees here and, and, there, and there would be that collegiality uh, that, that's been missing for much of the last two years. But, um, you know, situations change. And uh, I think everybody's per- personal preference was uh, because so much of this this was virtual, uh, and then they were accommodating for, for folks not coming to Indianapolis. That uh, this is a bit of a hybrid, and, and frankly, this is kind of uh, probably the, the way of the world uh, that we're, we're going to see for for the, the near future. Really, is, is kind of this hybrid uh, conventions that uh, we're currently present at, and uh, you know, it's, it's just it's just a quiet Tuesday, and uh, things will certainly pick up steam as we go throughout the week. Yeah, that's this is definitely true. But quiet does not mean sleep. Uh, there were some actual uh, newsworthy things that, that did happen. Um, so to looking at, at the actual schedule itself, uh, a lot of what Tuesday was 
were uh, either either division specific meetings or for sports specific uh, you know, subcommittees that were happening here. So you know, in, our, in our hotel, there's a there's a, a subgroup here for Division Two that's meeting. There's a women's basketball oversight committee. There's a, a football oversight committee, and, and nobody here is actually voting on anything, but they are considering various proposals. This is where you sit in a conference room and you, you don't holler for three hours, but you but you, you talk through and, and try to understand. Um, you know exactly what you're going to be voting on because when you have the entire friggin' NCAA or all of Division One in a room, you can't really talk through a proposal for three hours. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of folks you know view the NCAA as kind of this monolith organization, but it, it's really, especially when you get into the weeds uh, a little bit at conventions like this, um, you know, this is much more like Congress. You know, you, you have your committee meetings uh, around a table, and, and everybody kind of talks, and everybody has their their five minutes to to ask questions and whatnot. And um, you know, I think that's, that's the important thing to keep in mind is uh, this is a very diverse group. And you know, frankly, I think the the thing that I took away from a lot of these early committee meetings, um, you know, was really not not that they were taking a lot of actions, but it was just good to be in the same room as, as a lot of folks talk through some things that, uh, frankly, they, they were tired of talking with talking about on Zoom uh, more than anything. You know, I've heard, if I heard, uh, I'm, I'm tired of looking at people in, in that little screen and, and in that box. Uh, you know, you, you heard that probably a dozen times today. And uh, yeah, to, a couple to of the times from me, you yeah. heard that. I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick of it, too, as we then talk into a box um, again. But <laughs> But well, but, yeah. but I mean, I, I think just being in person was was a big thing for, yeah. for those that uh, did show up today. And and look, a lot of a lot of folks are, are coming in, you know, this this afternoon, this evening, uh, because things definitely pick up a lot more on, on Wednesday and Thursday, and and especially so at the, at the lower divisions. You mentioned the D D two folks that are, that are coming around uh, our hotel. There, there's D three here. Um, yeah, I think it, it it gets lost. You know, I think for for the general public a little bit, just how much business of, of actually running the day to day and, and running these uh, big organizations at uh, at, at at a big time level and at a small granular detail level uh, ends up happening right here at this convention. It, it's not just uh, everybody gets to see, see each other in, in, in the middle of winter. It's it's really, there's some, some work and some business being done. And um, this is where a, a lot of things are, are getting shaped uh, in the next six months and next six months plus really. Yeah. So I can, we can tell you a little bit about what some of that's, that shaping was and, and, in many ways, both for good and for ill, I think the comparison to Congress is pretty apt. One, it can, no matter how much you listen to Schoolhouse Rock, it can be dizzying trying to chart how different proposals go through different committees, especially because there's so many friggin' committees. Um, so, I, you know, Brian and I were staked out for a while, I mean, a little bit longer. Inside the Division One Football Oversight Committee, which, if you are not in this industry and you are listening to this show, I'm guessing you would be interested in, in some of those kind of conversations. Um, they did come out with an actual concrete you know, recommendation that's going to be voted on later this week, and uh, it's widely expected to pass. That is going to uh, f- further regulate what is permitted during spring football practice. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm understanding this correctly, you can't do like full contact drills over the spring and consecutive days anymore. And you can't do full contact if you're not doing like a spring game scrimmage for more than 75 minutes, I believe at a time. Um, that is going to, it's going to reiterate here that that spring, pra- spring football practice is really going to be about teaching. It's, uh, it's about uh, game conditioning, getting in shape, um, explaining the, the playbook install rather than Oklahoma drill. And this, this has been a, a, a part of a, a much larger conversation that's happening in all of these different committees. It's happening with the AFCA, with football coaches and with administrators about what, what are some things we can do to help uh, decrease risk of injury and, and make this make things safer. Um, 
that juxtaposed with conversations about expanding playoff or about changing regular the calendar, regular season schedules, those are obviously they're not they're not always um, congruous necessarily. Uh, but but here there, there there was broad and, and wide agreement to let's try to limit hits in April as, as much as we can. And I would expect that to be formalized here in the, in the coming days. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow on Wednesday is, is when this is, this gets passed up the, you know, the ladder uh, yep. and, and the D one council will, will vote on these proposals and, and essentially they kind of become ratified uh, and, you know, for, for this spring. And, you know, frankly, there's, there's a number of different ways that essentially an idea or, or a rule created can, can become, you know, uh, a bylaw and, and become something that schools have to follow. And, uh, you know, this is uh, kind of the, the biggest and easiest uh, pathways is these, Specific sport committees, uh, you know, men's basketball, women's basketball also met uh, earlier today uh, to discuss various matters, you know, such as those the combined Final Four ideas. The, yep. You know, there's a lot of stuff on, on women's basketball's plate uh, as well in terms of recruiting. They're changing their calendar completely. Uh, you know, that, w- that will get voted on uh, by the D1 Council as well. So, um, you know, a lot happening in terms of the votes on, on Wednesday. But, uh, you know, this was really much more of a sport-specific type of day. And, uh, you know, to your point, um, I think for, for football oversight, you know, especially coming out of – a very strange 2020 season where we had uh, essentially OTAs to kind of get folks back into, yeah. uh, you know, things during the summer and, uh, you know, into more of a normal, uh, you know, regular cadence, uh, I guess you could say, um, you know, they're still looking at, t- at tweaks to the calendar. And uh, this is, this is going to be one of them, uh, certainly in the spring, but there, there's a lot more on their plate that they, they did discuss, um, you know, no, no actions taken, but, uh, you know, they, they cover the gamut. You know, you're talking about targeting and, and the targeting rule. You're talking about officiating. You're talking about a whole host of things. And, and targeting we, came up a lot. Yeah. So, so and, you know, NIL was, was obviously a big discussion. And, you know, frankly, you know, it's, it's, it's a good catch-up spot for a lot of these, these ADs that serve on the committee and whatnot. And, you know, it's not just a, a chance to, uh, you know, drill down into some of the details like this, this spring practice proposal, but also talk about the larger issues, you know, facing the sport. And uh, we are just coming off, as you mentioned, like the, the college football playoff uh, expansion debate, uh, which, which happened uh, about a week ago, about half a mile east of here uh, at the JW. So um, th- this is a, definitely an interesting time. And I think you're starting to see that with uh, some of the reactions, probably not uh, moving as, as quickly as, as some had, had hoped, but, um, you know, the discussions here really kind of are going to lay the groundwork to uh, a reworked football calendar. And uh, I think that's uh, ultimately what uh, a lot of the folks are, are interested in seeing. There, there's a lot of ideas out there and yes. a lot of debate over that that is, is going to occur over the next uh, coming days and in coming months as well. I, yeah, I actually I have a little bit of specifics about that, actually. We uh, caught up with, with with Sandy Barber, the the athletic director at Penn State, who's, who chairs this committee um, and you know, kind of kind of grabbed her as she was trying to sneak out after after the uh, after after the hearing or the the, the committee here, the committee. And, you know, we're trying to talk about what some of the other things that were discussed because it wasn't just the spring practice thing was kind of open and shut. Right. Um, a, a major point of conversation among coaches and administrators right now to piggyback off what Brian just said is making changes to the calendar. You know, one thing at AFCA, uh, I understand that uh, there was a lot of interest in it would be somehow creating a transfer window where, you know, an athlete can still transfer whenever they want. But um, if, if you wanted to do it and maintain that, like immediate eligibility, you had to do it between like these particular dates. Um, and I, I was I was asking, you know, Sandy about that. Like, hey, is, is this something that, that this group is interested in? And, and she indicated that there, there is a lot of enthusiasm, I think was the word that she used for a, a potential transfer window and and didn't. 
did not rule, did not uh, immediately close the door on that concept due to concerns about litigation. And like, you know, there's, there's a feeling that, that this group has the authority to make those kind of decisions. They're not ready to vote on that. Uh, they're still trying to collect data. But the, the way that it was framed, I thought was interesting when she, she was describing it, that you know, the NCAA and, and, and the member institutions here wanted to change, or maybe not wanted, but agreed to change the, the transfer rule in part to address a, uh, the individual's specific needs, right? right? A, a college football player um, you know, wants to have the same individual rights that uh, college athletes do across other levels and other sports um, to be able to pursue an opportunity that's best for them uh, athletically, academically, spiritually, whatever. And, and, like, and now... Uh, even off the record, it's it's harder to find an administrator who's like, I think this sucks. Uh, uh, they they recognized the, the how that didn't match up. But you know, Barbara also pointed out that there's also athletes still have needs as part of a as part of a team. Like, forget what the coach needs, forget what the athletic director needs. As a player on a team, you want to have some idea about who you can expect to be there and what, uh, who you can count on uh, and, and what, what your practice schedule is going to be looking like and your ability to make your own decisions about where you want to go, how you want your athletic career to go depends in part on what your roster looks like. If you are somebody at Colorado, for example, is this is, these are my words here, not hers, and you know, 20 people on your team transfer and you're not bringing in 20 other people, that changes your immediate experience the next couple of months. And so the idea here of are there ways that we can legislatively create some kind of order, not not to restrict movement necessarily, but to help people get more data to, to inform their decisions. That's something that on the admin side, there's going to be a lot of uh, interest in. Um, the, you know, there, there's been other proposed changes, such as maybe either moving or getting rid of the early signing period uh, and, and, and going back to February rather rather than, than December. Uh, the group's not ready to make a recommendation on that or move forward necessarily, but there was a lot of talk about it. And there's a lot of talk about Navy image likeness, although there I think there's there's a, 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 a not a consensus, but close to it, that administrators have limited tools in, in this regard. That, that train's left the station and you know, really significantly moving it is going to depend on entities above and beyond the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a bit of, of trial and error, right? When, yeah. When you're making some of these changes, I mean, I, I don't think anybody really could have predicted the one-time transfer uh, rule changing the sport so vastly like, like it did. You know, I think everybody uh, understood how kind of when the grad transfer initially was implemented, it, it took a while. You know, it really kind of took till I and, think and, Russell and, Wilson. And, and, and in other sports too, honestly. Yeah. It I mean, didn't completely change everything overnight. Now it's, it feels like 20% of, of, of college football turns over on a year-to-year basis. And, and I mean, truthfully, I as, as much as the ADs are, are concerned about that, you know, so are the coaches even more so. Oh, you know, I think oh, the concern over roster management they is don't, off they the won't, charts. They won't stop complaining about it. And, and, and so, so, some of it justified, I think. Some of it maybe less so, but that is more of an NIL, more than any other single thing. It's I don't want to feel like I have to constantly re-recruit my roster and have no idea what my roster is going to be as I plan my recruiting cycle. That's a lot. I mean, I mean, a lot of coaches don't even know what their roster is going to look like for spring practice and, and what, what it might look like after spring practice going into the fall. You know, there's just so much change going on. Yeah, there's a notification date to where you have to get your name into the portal uh, by then to end up uh, using that one-time transfer. Uh, but, uh, you know, the amount of movement right now is, is vast. And I don't know if any of the administrators, when they ultimately put this in, could have imagined everybody taking advantage of it like this. They probably should have, but um, that, that was not the case. And yeah. so I think we're – A lot of, of pent-up demand. Yeah, we're 
we're, we're going to have some adjustments. And, and frankly, it's just a wild time for, for roster management, management in general when, when you throw in the extra COVID years and, yeah. and dealing with a lot of guys that um, you know, can't play elsewhere and, and maybe don't want to play at, the, at their school that they've already spent four years at or five years at. Um, you know, I think that that's another thing that you kind of got to factor in is, um, you know, the scholarship usage is, is, is vastly different from, from one school to the next. Yeah. And uh, it really is all over the place. And that's something that a lot of coaches are dealing with, a lot of administrators are dealing with. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to tweak the margins, but there's a general holistic view of, of football recruiting that is, is coming. Um, you know, they've been discuss, discussing it for the last couple of months. Um, you're probably going to get some, some more specifics um, in, in the coming months. But um, really, a lot of things are kind of hitting in the background. These are things that are, are minute details. We, you know, it, it, it's interesting. They, the NCAA did put out a press release over the, the football oversight decision um, to do that spring practice. But uh, they talked about a lot more than what was in that, that press release. Because Yeah, that was that – was, listen, that, that meeting ran for hours. Hours, uh, I, I believe Craig Bull, uh, the the head football coach of Wyoming, uh, came in and, and, and I think it was remotely spoke and, and kind of conveyed some of the things that were discussed at convention and all of that. It was it was a big deal. I mean, um, it, was, it was a two meal type of type of meeting. And, uh, you know, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, this, this couple was, lines in the press release was was not doing it justice. But um, and, and the same was in, in basketball. You know, like there there's some big issues at hand that, that a lot of folks are are trying to wrap their heads around. And uh, frankly, it is all kind of set to the background, knowing that. That there's going to be a new NCA constitution that will be voted on, and and a lot of changes at the divisional level. You know, I think you, you talk about one. some of these things about happening with with the sports of football and men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, whatever, whatever NCA sport uh, you, you got there. And uh, you know, to me, I, I think the the it's, it's all kind of like taking a backseat almost to what is ultimately going to be the structure uh, and, and how do they kind of move forward after this constitution is is. I guess ratified uh, moving forward. Yeah, that th- this is something that's come up uh, a couple of times in other conversations I- I've had with, with people in this industry about how there's so many things changing that it's it's a little bit hard to really wrap your head even around the small ones when it feels like there's still like big existential questions that, that haven't been resolved. Uh, but you know what? You know, you get paid a big boy salary. You have big boy pants. And it's your job to solve big boy problems. And 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 this and this is one of them. We're, we're going to have. Um, I think more concrete proposals voted on and a little bit more clarity tomorrow, although some of the the bigger votes are still going to be on Thursday. Um, There was one other proposal that I don't know if this is going to go anywhere yet. I'm still efforting trying to track this down, but I just thought it was interesting Uh, at the Division II level. Uh, you had, I think it was close to two dozen members propose, hey, what if we did, uh, you know, allowed for varsity scrimmages? During the spring, like the, so, the scrimmages are not real games, but between two different four-year institutions, essentially spring games uh, between different schools at the Division Two level. That you're not allowed to do that Division One, you can't do that in Division Three. The Division Two management committee, and like at the, the, I believe at the presidential level, was not really in favor of this, but enough schools were in favor of it that it was it's something that has to be discussed. Um, this gets proposed basically every year on college football Twitter about FBS. Uh, teams doing this with FCS opponents or or some other level. It's not uh, happening uh, at, at that level, but this is the first time that I'm aware of anyone at least discussing it at the Division II level. So that's, that, that may be something to, uh, to to monitor. But those those are the big things that have happened here today. Um, did I yeah. miss anything? Well, I think that, that just about covers it because uh, there was not a whole lot going on, as, as we mentioned. But the thing about that proposal in particular is, is you kind of go back a couple of years. There, there was uh, you know a theory floated out uh, that you could have those FBS, FCS spring games uh, happening. Right. That, that was something that uh, got debated at, at a convention before. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be curious to see uh, ultimately how that 
proposal kind of uh, affects Division Two, but uh, you know, th- there's going to be some creative solutions. I think for for a lot of these folks um, beyond the FBS, the, the Power Five institutions that you're used to to seeing in your headlines, that uh, are, are going to come up with some interesting things. Not just at this convention, but um, you know, going forward to how does college athletics evolve at, at different levels? Because um, frankly, that's that's what they're tasked for. That, that's why they're yeah. coming coming to Indianapolis this week. I I think. You know, I, I was texting one 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 division two administrator, and he was he was explaining to me that part of the reason that this is attractive, uh, is because it can be difficult for even FBS teams to field full spring games because they don't have enough healthy scholarship linemen, or there, there's so there's so much attrition that 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 you're you're having to it becomes unsafe because you're having to dip into uh, small amounts of depth at key position groups, and of course at the division two level you don't have 85 full scholarships. You might only have uh, five or six people on full scholarship. It's a lot of people on partials. You're, you're playing a, a, obviously a lot of walk-ons and that potentially you may be able to have a better scrimmage experience and take advantage of your full depth going against somebody else's roster and having to double dip there within your own. Uh, it wouldn't make sense for every Division II institution, but it could potentially make sense for some of them uh, that are, are, are close by to other schools. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what that happens. Um, I think the only other like kind of big news that we saw was uh, actually not anything that happened in Indianapolis at all. It was Dennis Dodd's story today that showed that's uh, reported that the Big 12 is, is looking into uh, shifting to a divisional structure. Um, potentially a 14-team divisional structure, depending on what happens when Oklahoma and Texas end up departing. Um, and uh, it looks like Dennis kind of gave his his proposal on, on what that that split could look like. Uh, I don't want to get too far into the weeds about you know which school being in which division because. I mean, I don't think that I don't think that part of the story was reported. I would assume that Cincinnati and West Virginia would be in the same division uh, if and when this actually happens. But I wasn't aware that the Big 12 would be legislatively compelled to do this. But it would certainly make sense whether that whether they end up with 12 teams or 14 teams or whenever Oklahoma and Texas decide to depart. Yeah, I think that, that I think that rule actually came into place because of the Big Twelve. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Memory, memory serves, um, or it might, might have been the SEC, but um, you know, I think it's it's just uh, going to be interesting because uh, you know, frankly, you talk to folks around the Big Twelve is uh, you know, there's still that nebulous uh, decision making out there in terms of when Texas and Oklahoma are going to leave. Yep. It, it sounds like they, I guess, did not uh, submit their notice in December, so that means um, you basically tack on another year. Uh, I don't think anybody really expects them leaving at you know, waiting all the way around till twenty. 2025, even though that's what they they will insist, but uh, a lot of money it, it, it is, and so I think there there's going to be some some interesting uh, negotiations over the next six to eighteen months in terms of when those schools are exiting, when schools are coming in. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if we kind of have um, you know this this unique schedule where there's you know 13 teams and 14 teams and 15. You know there, there might be a, a year where we do have the, the 16 team Big 12. Yeah, uh, if, if they if they do uh, expand the West Coast. Uh, or potentially dip into the American athletic again, it's possible. We have been blessed with the well, maybe blessed isn't the right word, depending on where you are when you're listening to this, but we have we have seen a world where Texas has lost to Kansas. We could see a world where they lose to Kansas and then lose a conference game to like UCF and BYU. Um, we, we do know what it's like when Texas loses to BYU. We, so, we have seen that in yeah. We have we have we have seen that movie in a recent and Oklahoma for that matter. So these are these these could potentially be things to look forward to. And and, and quite frankly, like just as as like a, a fan, I think that would be way funnier. Uh, to have a, a very, very big a Big 12 for a year or two and uh, have lot, lots of hurt feelings and have an opportunity for Texas and Oklahoma to lose to multiple uh, new entrants. That 
That, that makes good television as far as I'm concerned. Well, I mean, I, I know the, the Big Ten has, has released their 2022 updated uh, football schedule and yeah. in, in, uh, next year's as well. And I think the you know the Big 12, their their office has like, uh, like 18, 20 different models, you know, just in terms of what they could do, um, you know, based on who's coming into the league at, at what point. You know, I think they've modeled all of that out. Um, you, know, you, you look at where teams can play. And frankly, it's a, it's a bit of a puzzle right now. You have a lot of... Uh, so this, certainly, this sounds like the LSAT, basically. Yeah, pretty much. And then you throw into the fact that you know the Pac-12 has certainly been looking about taking going back from nine conference games to eight, um, scheduling those alliance games, yeah. uh, you know, with the Big Ten and the ACC. So uh, a lot of moving parts on the on the football schedule even before we get to what is what is the impact of of an expanded playoff come 2026. Yeah, we'll be tracking that more in Indianapolis over the next couple of days. Uh, real quick, you know what else is in Indianapolis? That would be home field apparel. Um, our title sponsor for the show, Homefield Apparel, makes some of the comfiest and most stylish collegiate licensed apparel that you can find anywhere. What, what what I love about them is that and you can go anywhere and you can find a shirt that's got the block O for Ohio State on it. Uh, that, that roughly three quarters of all resident, like all brick and mortar businesses in Columbus, are required to sell these things. But what Homefield does is they don't just slap the regular old logo. On, on a t-shirt or hoodie, they go back into the archives and find the one from like the 30s and 40s and 50s that your school's a little bit embarrassed of, but they shouldn't be because of rules. And they put that on extremely comfortable t-shirts and, and hoodies. And they have almost every Power 5 institution. They have a lot of G5 institutions. They have a lot of 1AAA institutions. Uh, even even got a couple of FCS, Division I mean, not Division Two and lower. Like, if you, if you would like a t-shirt with a rock and a fur coat, for Slippery Rock University, you can do that. One of, one of my favorite shirts, it's got a donkey with a stick of dynamite in it for the Colorado School of Mines. You can have that. You can get – It's uh, they've, they've got a bunch of new schools being announced over the next couple of weeks for big new Saturday season three. And I can tell you that if you are a fan of college basketball, you are going to be very excited uh, about those schools. Right, you, I, I've shared the list with you, right? It's, you it's you have. I, I am. I am really excited because, uh, well, maybe not excited with with parting with the amount of money that I'm, I'm likely going to have to because of these new schools coming in. But um, you already bought a couple of new shirts as, as well recently. Uh, speaking, of, you know, one from down the road from Butler, you know, so uh, with with their uh, it's a good dog, the Bulldog logo. Yeah, it's a good. Yeah, so yeah, if you're a fan of say a perennial top ten college basketball program that's not currently licensed on home field, uh, you don't need to be Encyclopedia Brown to kind of figure out which ones I might be talking about. Uh, get that credit card ready and when you get out that credit card don't pay the full price like some kind of idiot uh you should use our discount code use promo code extra points it's all one word it's going to be in the show notes along with the link to dennis Dodd's story and along with the press release all these other things save 15 percent off your first order help support extra points you can even go get one extra point shirt because they the, they sell one with the the beautiful bagman logo uh, an old-timey football player uh, carrying a gigantic bag of money with like dollar bills floating around in the, in the back. Uh, the perfect gift for the NCAA compliance officer in your life. Um, Brian's laughing. I know of at least three who own this shirt, uh, which, and I, I, I can't recommend it enough. Find that at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow, uh, breaking down everything that happened on Wednesday. You can, of course, find at Extra Points and support it at www.extrapointsmb.com. Uh, you can subscribe for free or get a full subscription and get four newsletters a week. You can find Brian and I's work there uh, with Collegiate Sports Connect and with Athletic Director U. Um, anything else we should we should uh, we should let everybody know about before we uh, 
we, we go get some shrimp cocktail. Stay tuned to this feed because uh, we're going to come fast and furious after every day of the convention. And uh, hopefully folks will, will find it interesting, uh, even though it, it can be a bit dry and, and a bit dense at times. Uh, getting into the weeds of these NCAA rules, it does impact a lot of schools, a lot of athletes out there. And uh, frankly, the sports that uh, you, you watch on, on Saturdays or whatever day of the week, um, you know, th- this is where kind of the, that, that sausage gets made. Listen, if you're, you're 25 minutes deep into this, like you're, you're comfortable being in the weeds. If you're not comfortable being in the weeds, um, check out Shutdown Fullcast, where they don't talk about college football at all. Like that's your podcast. If you if you if you knew what this was and you clicked on it, you're gonna like what we have the rest of this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch up with you soon.